Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope Community Church. We're glad that you're with us uh, this morning uh, virtually, as we have been for a while. Although, good news, starting in February, we are going to cautiously reopen the doors. If you'd like to join us in person, you're welcome to do that. Just make sure you're wearing your mask and keeping your distance and all those good things. But, uh, but that's, that's for a couple weeks from now. Right now, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have used for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We do believe that the Lord is with us right where we are as we gather, even virtually, to worship him. I am so looking forward to having some of you in the room again, uh, although we'll, we'll keep trying to get, uh, get better at the on-camera part as well, uh, because we know that even when February hits, and, uh, and you know what, let me mention that just, just for a moment. Um, we, uh, we've heard from some of you that, uh, uh, that this has just been hard, you know, obviously, um, trying to... Uh, trying to worship on, online on a screen, uh, especially for those of you who spend so much of your time on a screen already for work, and, uh, and then on Sundays to have to just that be your experience again. Um, I know some of you are just desperate to be back in person. Even if you have to wear a mask, even if you have to keep your distance, you're just desperate to be able to worship God in, in the room and not have to uh, uh, stare at a screen one more day of your week. And so... Um, Starting Sunday, February 7th, we are going to be kind of cautiously reopening the doors to those of you who want to worship with us. We all are going to have to keep our masks on and, and keep our distance, which in here is pretty easy. You know, if you sit at one of the tables, uh, just make sure you're not sitting at a table uh, with people that you're not already doing life with, you know. And, uh, and then if you're sitting in one of the other chairs, you just got to make sure you leave three or four chairs in between you. And, uh, and we all should be good. So, uh, so, yeah, Sunday, February 7th at 9 a.m. If you want to be in the room with us, great. If you want to keep watching online, that's fantastic. Uh, we'll keep doing this um, this way as long as we need to. But, uh, but we're excited to have some of you in the room again uh, pretty soon. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we would love to connect with you. And so we've got this little uh, uh, online connect card that you can fill out. Uh, go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill that thing out. Let us know you're with us today. Um, let us know how we can pray for you. I know some of you, uh, you know, already chime in in the comments on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're watching this, uh, livinghope.info slash live on that, that platform. Um, and, uh, and we thank you for that. It's good to know that, uh, that you're kind of in the room with us. That's one of the most surreal things about this, I'll just tell you. As a pastor, I'm so used to being able to interact with you uh, when I preach, obviously, yes, and get reactions, and I can find out like, oh, no one cares about this, let's move on, or, uh, or uh, wow, people are really engaged, let's keep going. Um, obviously, I don't get that feedback from you when you're uh, on the other side of that camera. But also, on Sunday mornings, we just had the chance to connect to know that, like, to put eyes on you and to see that you're doing well to see, or to see that you're struggling and to have a chance to talk for 30 seconds. And, and uh, we don't get that right now. So please let us know uh, how we can pray for you, how we can be there for you during this time. Um, we'd really like to be able to do that. So you can go to that livinghope.info slash connect if you want um, or leave us a note in the comments wherever you happen to be and uh, we'll be doing our best to stay connected. Um, thank you so much to those of you who have given so generously and continue to give generously through this time. You can give today if you want, livinghope.info slash give. Uh, I'm looking forward at the end of February is when we usually do our annual meeting and, uh, and give updates on the budget and on the finances and on you know, the people who represent us on the church board and all that good stuff. Uh, it comes at the end of February and I'm looking forward to sharing with you some of the ways you've been so extremely generous this past year. Uh, some of you already got that in your thank you note um, that we mailed to you along with your 2020 giving report. If you didn't get that and you feel like you should have because you gave in 2020 and your name was attached to that gift and you're like, hey, I didn't get that, please let us know. We might have a bad address for you or we might have done something else that, that uh, goofed that up in some way. So let us know and uh, we want to make sure you have that information if you need it as well as just our thanks. Um, 
Oh, one other thing we've been doing to try to help us connect and stay connected uh, in this new year is this uh, daily prayer thing, Monday to Friday. Um, you can just go to wherever you're watching this right now. If this is Facebook or YouTube or wherever you happen to be right now, you should be able to go there and, uh, and watch this little uh, daily prayer video. It's about 10 minutes long. And uh, we... Uh, read some scriptures together and pray together. And, uh, and that's been good for me. It's been really interesting trying to put together that, that little video every day, uh, Monday to Friday. And I've heard from several of you that you found it helpful as well uh, as a way that we can stay connected and together stay connected to the God who loves us and who made us. Um, so uh, you can always find details about that at livinghope.info slash pray. You just go to the website, you click on pray or whatever, and, and you can find out <clears throat> like this week when we'll be doing the live Zoom uh, interactions if you want to do a live prayer time together. Uh, that's all right there. All right, to get us started with this morning's message, I would like for us to pray together uh, this prayer that uh, uh, is adapted from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 19. We've prayed this a couple times uh, during those daily prayers during the week. And so I invite you to pray this with me, if you would. Almighty God, glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we may know the hope, the inheritance, and the power you have for us who believe. That same power you used to raise Christ from the dead and seat him at your right hand, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, our God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, that is my prayer each and every Sunday and each and every day throughout the week is that, um, that God would enlighten our hearts, that he would help us to be able to picture him more clearly, that we would better see who God is. That's what we're doing in this epiphany season that we're in. Uh, following on the Advent and the Christmas seasons is a season of epiphany where we celebrate God revealing himself to us in Jesus Christ, uh, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that when we look at Jesus, we see what our Heavenly Father looks like, present, walking, talking with us, how he interacts with human beings, the, the ways that, uh, that he shows his love. That is, the, that is the God of love in human form um, here in the reality that we live in. And so throughout this season, we've been continuing to ask God, just would you help us to see you, to know you better, God? And would you help us to see ourselves the way you see us so we can know that we are loved, <laughs> that you are with us, so we can more clearly picture the future that God has for us, that he's calling us into, this future, this life, where he's helping us to be the people he created us to be, people whose lives reflect his grace and love into the world, into the lives of people around us. Now, we've been given uh, uh, two or three scriptures to look at today, and I'm just going to, um, we're going to walk through them, and two of them touch on that same theme, um, this idea of uh, acknowledging where we are and hearing God's invitation to us to walk into a new life, and, and us accepting that invitation. Um, we looked at Jesus calling some of his disciples last week from John's uh, first chapter. Today, we're looking at Mark's gospel. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, they all tell us the story of Jesus's life, death, resurrection. And in Mark chapter one, uh, we see this starting in verse... Uh, verse 14. It says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. 
this, uh, this passage has a couple of invitations. Um, there's the, the more general invitation that Jesus is proclaiming everywhere he goes, this good news of the kingdom, saying, look, uh, God is, is reestablishing his rule as king. All right, he's, he's reasserting himself as king of kings, the lord of lords. The powers that have ruled your life no longer need to, to have first place, no longer need to seem like they are um, in the place of preeminence. God is king, and he's demonstrating that right here, right now in Jesus' life is, what, is where, where it's happening. And so he's calling people to repent and believe this good news. Believe the good news. The bully is about to be put in his place, right? God is coming to rescue so repent and believe the good news. Repent means like, okay, change course, right? Like I've been giving my allegiance to this other king, to this other ruler, to this other uh, authority. Even if it's just me, you know, giving my allegiance to me and saying, well, I'm in charge. I need to turn from that and recognize, acknowledge, okay, God, you are king. You're in charge. And I acknowledge I'm, I'm just one of your creations. I am but then, of course, as we listen to Jesus, so much more than that. Uh, I'm your servant, obviously, but I am your child. I'm created by you to be loved by you, to have this relationship with you that is so uh, amazing and blessed and full of life and joy and peace. And he's calling us to believe this good news, to turn, to make a change. So this is a, a general gospel invitation that's being made to everyone Jesus encounters. And he sends his disciples out later to proclaim this same good news, to call people to believe, to trust in God. And to have a changed life. But then he has the specific invitations too to Simon and his brother Andrew. We call, we call Simon Peter uh, because Jesus changes his name uh, along the way. And, uh, and then he sees James and John, sons of Zebedee, uh, all of them fishermen. And as he encounters them, he says, oh, come follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. And it's, at once they left their nets and followed him. You know, James and John just walk away from their dad and, and, and the other guys that were working in the family fish business. And they follow Jesus. Uh, this has struck some of us as odd over the years. You know, maybe you've read this and you've thought, man, good grief, just uh, some random guy walks by and says, follow me, and they just say, okay, and they just go. Uh, what, what kind of people are these? But my guess is that, you know, they'd already encountered Jesus before this moment, uh, that they were aware of Jesus, that maybe they had even met him and talked with him. But now Jesus is saying, okay, guys, uh, the mission's starting. Let's go. And so now he's like, they're kind of being called up, you know, to, to active duty. Now they're, they're not, they're, they're saying like, okay, it's time to go. Follow me. And they say, oh, oh, it's time now. All right, here we go. And they just jump right in. They are ready to trust and follow Jesus. And Jesus is portraying for them uh, a new kind of life, right? He's painting a picture for them of who they will be. You know, he's saying, oh, you guys know fish, right? And you know the whole drawing in a fish and, and, uh, and all of that. Well, hey, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. Um, I, this mission that I'm including you on that I need you for involves encountering human beings and drawing them in helping them to discover this same good news that, that you have heard and responded to, helping them to hear it and to have a chance to respond. So he's painting a picture for them of a difference they can make in the world in the lives of others and inviting them into it. I mean, this is what Jesus does for each one of us. It's not like there was anything wrong with the jobs they had. You know, it's good work, honest living, I assume. I, I assume fishermen are honest. I don't know enough about them to, to know that they'd be dishonest other than the whole, like, you know, the fish was this big kind of stories. Um, but, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the work they were doing. And for most of us today, I mean, Jesus calling us to follow him, for most of us, it doesn't mean walking away from your job or something. Um, but it does mean walking away from something, you know, whatever it might be that has had your has had first place in your life, has had uh, that priority of place, has had all of your attention or your allegiance. He's saying, okay, guys, 
time to, time to shift our perspective here. Uh, we've got something hugely important for you to be a part of. And I just got to say, whatever your job might be, and we've got folks doing all kinds of work here in our church, uh, much of it beautiful and good. I mean, people who are teaching children, people who are working in healthcare, um, you know, those are kind of the heroes that come immediately to mind right now. Um, but we've got all sorts of folks doing good work that we all need done here present in our church. But, um, and so again, it's not like Jesus is calling everyone to, to leave their job, but he is painting a picture saying, you know, you can make a difference in people's lives like to help them encounter me, right? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to involve you in that work as well. This is, this is a good thing that he's inviting them into, and he's, he's helping them picture what that might be, uh, to be fishers of people. Uh, <laughs> speaking of fish, one of the other passages given to us is, uh, is from the book of Jonah. Jonah is this Old Testament prophet, and most of us know Jonah, if you're familiar with him, uh, know him as that reluctant prophet. He received a call from God as well, an invitation to go to Nineveh to proclaim his message to them, a message of of warning, of destruction, uh, that God has seen their violence and is not going to put up with it anymore. And, uh, and Jonah is that, the one who, uh, he hears God say, go this way to Nineveh, and he gets on a boat going that way, somewhere else. And so God sends a storm, and the people throw him overboard, and God rescues him by having him swallowed by this giant fish. Um, <laughs> I am assuming that that was not something that Jonah had been looking forward to, uh, spending days uh, in, a, in the belly of a fish. Um, you know, all of us are doing things these days that uh, we had not planned, that, um, that we had not hoped for, uh, things that we had not imagined, right? Um, I never imagined as pastor I'd be, you know, preaching to a room with one, two, three, four, five, five people in it and all of you uh, out there on the, on the screen. Um, we had not imagined that we would be doing all that we're doing with masks and distance and all the rest. Some of you have faced all kinds of things in the past year that you never would have imagined, um, you know, a year ago. I'm guessing Jonah didn't have on his vision board, you know, let's spend some time inside a fish. You know, probably not something he had, he had hoped for. Uh, but God used that. This is, this is how God rescued Jonah and humbled him and prepared him for what was next, for what he wanted to do in Jonah's life. And maybe God is doing something similar in your life. I mean, when the unexpected and unpleasant swallows you whole, Maybe God is using that to, to redirect you, to prepare you for what he wants to do through you. Maybe. I, I hope that we can be open to that. That when we face something unexpected and unpleasant, we don't just reject it and just get angry and get mad. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being angry and mad, okay? Direct that toward God. There's plenty of psalms in, the, in our Bible uh, that include kind of shaking the fist at God and saying, why is this happening to me, God? But... Almost all of those psalms get us to a place of saying, okay, God, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm trusting that you've got a plan in place. Like the, the scripture that Mary read for us earlier from the prophet Jeremiah, I know you've got a plan to, to prosper us and for our good, and I don't understand why, what I'm going through now, how this fits in there, but I hope that we can be open to, okay, God, would you use this time, this unpleasant, this unexpected moment in my life, would you use this to, to prepare me for whatever comes next? Do you need to redirect my focus? Do you need to, to redirect my allegiance? Do you need to, to somehow use this to prepare me for what it is you want to do in me and through me in the world? Just a, just a random thought. That's a bonus. All right, just tossing that in there. All right. Uh, today we're given Jonah chapter 3, which comes right after uh, this verse at the end of chapter 2. 
and the Lord God commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Any t- chance I get to use the word vomit on a Sunday, I, I take it. Um, and so here we have uh, what we read in Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's, you know, the kind of message you want to bring, right, to, uh, to a, a large town, which, uh, by the way, in case you're not familiar, and of course I wasn't until I studied these kinds of things, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire who were enemies of the people of Israel, and so he is walking into, as this Israelite prophet, walking into enemy territory saying, 40 more days and you're going to be overthrown, 40 more days and you'll be destroyed. No wonder he might have been a little bit uh, hesitant to go and proclaim this message. But we read in verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. They were evidencing their, their repentance. They were, they were showing, and, and we skip some verses where the king even makes a proclamation and says, everybody, even the animals, nobody's going to enjoy life for the next little bit. We need to repent. We need to express our sorrow for, and, and hope that God will, will turn from this destruction that he's promised. And in verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Again, a message inviting people to change their ways, but this time in the form of of a warning. And they do. They, They change. I mean, Jonah goes warning them, look, you've only got 40 days left and you're going to get to the end of the road you've been walking down. You have planted violence and wickedness, and the harvest is almost here. Your sins are about to catch up to you. This is your final warning, and they listen. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's the message that God is sending your way today. Maybe today, maybe you've been walking down a very destructive path, and your friends have tried to persuade you, have tried to help you see it. Other people have tried to help you see it. Life is trying to help you. God is trying to help you see. The road you're going down is not leading you anyplace good. And maybe today you need to listen, (laughs) to hear what God is saying to you, and to accept his invitation to move away from that. God never just warns people like, hey, you're going to be destroyed, and I can't wait to do it. (laughs) Here it comes, you know, boom. God always, when he sends a prophet, he's always warning them so that they can change, so they can do what the people of Nineveh did, so they can turn, so they can avoid destruction and experience life. That's the invitation that is open to all of us today. The invitation that God extended through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, can I remember John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that so whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Uh, when I don't have it written down, there was one time, some of you will remember, back uh, last year, we recording a service, and I totally blanked out on John three sixteen, And I had no one in the room to like refresh my memory and to help me through it. Uh, this is one of the most known verses in all of scripture, and it's saying this exact thing. That God, in Jesus Christ, is inviting us to avoid destruction, to avoid continuing down that path that leads to death, and instead is offering us life. 
Now here is where if I'd been more on top of the game, you'd be seeing Bernie Sanders in his mittens right now, uh, but I, I failed to do that. Uh, because in Jonah chapter 4, I saw somebody do this. They, they put Jonah... Uh, they put Bernie in Jonah chapter 4, where after the people repent uh, and, and God doesn't send destruction, uh, you can read it later, Jonah chapter 4, Jonah throws a hissy fit, tells God he'd rather, he wishes he was dead because he would rather not live in a world where his enemies get mercy. He would rather die himself than continue in that world. And apparently Bernie looked a little bit uh, grumpy in that picture. And so they're saying, yep, yeah, there's, jo- there's Jonah um, in, uh, in Jonah chapter 4. There was a disconnect between Jonah's heart and God's heart there between the future that Jonah had pictured and the future that God had in mind. You know, I, I want mercy and a second chance, right? I mean, Jonah got that, but he didn't want his enemies to have that same mercy. No second chances for them. I mean, they hurt me. They're my enemies. And this is why we always need to be inviting God to renew our thinking, to revise our dreams and hopes and our visions of the future. This is why we can't just... As Romans 12 says, uh, we can't just conform to the pattern of this world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to let God help us to see ourselves and to see the people around us the way he does. Rather than just from our own limited perspective. Last week we looked at Psalm 139, which starts with, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And it goes on to talk about all the ways that, God, you're with me, you know me, you know everything about me, uh, from the time I get up in the morning to the time I go to bed at night, and all through the night, you're always with me, I can't escape it. And then it ends with these verses, search me, God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, There are some of us right now, because of the charged political climate that we live in here in the United States, that we feel very strongly, you know, like there's my side and there's the other side. There's the good side and the, and the evil side. And, and, you know, we desperately do not want the evil side to win and we're afraid they might. And, um, you know, all kinds of enemy making. And we need to make sure that, <laughs> that we're praying, God, please help me to do what Jesus said. Help me to love my enemies. Help me to to love those, even the people that I think are wicked, even the people that I think have hurt me or hurt others. God, somehow you love them. You sent your son Jesus to die for them. So please, God, would you help me to love them like you love them? Would you help me to live in such a way that when they look at me, they don't see, uh, this is especially true for those of us who are Christians, all right? That they don't see someone who is angry or who is bitter or who is vindictive or who is, you know, all the ugly that we've seen spew out of our political situation. But instead, God, please, would you help when people look at me, would you help them to see your love, your grace, your goodness? Please, God, we want to reflect the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. We want to offer others mercy and grace the same way that we have been offered it as we picture a a future for ourselves god uh, would you help us not to not to see ourselves so much as like mighty warriors or something but help us to see ourselves in the in the way of jesus who gave himself for those who were his enemies would you help us god would you search us know our hearts test us and know our anxious thoughts See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. All right, there's another, uh, 
Another passage, and this one is frankly just kind of odd. It's from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first one. Uh, we've got 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians there in our Bibles. And in chapter 7, uh, he says some stuff that is it's really kind of strange. He says, um, okay, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn, as if they did not. Those who are happy, as if they were not. Those who buy something, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. Okay, um, that's a little weird, all right? Um, <laughs> as someone who's been happily married for a couple of decades plus now, uh, those of you who have wives should live as, they do, as though they do not. Uh, hmm, all right. Sorry, hon, I'm supposed to live like I'm single now. Uh, I don't, I mean, that's weird, right? Um, if you're mourning, like live like you're not in mourning. If you're overjoyed, live like you're not uh, overjoyed. If you're buying something as if it's not yours to, to keep. Now that last one we kind of get, right? Because we talk about that uh, frequently here at Living Hope. At least once a year we talk about how uh, God has entrusted things to us temporarily, right? We, we get the fact that, you know, I'm going to die someday and all the stuff that's sitting in my bank account and all the stuff that I have and the, that I use, all that's going to go to somebody else, Right? I'm not taking it with me. I'm not keeping that forever. It's just entrusted to me for a brief time while I'm here. But the rest of it, I mean, my mourning, my happiness, my spouse, you know, is this, am I supposed to treat all this as temporary too? I mean, some people would look at this and say it's like an exercise in like not living in reality, you know, like, hey, you're married, pretend you're not. You're happy, pretend you're not. You're mourning, pretend you're not. Uh, like, you're denying the reality that you're living in. And I don't think that's what Paul is saying here, because that's not consistent with what he says in lots of other places. It seems like he's trying to do for his hearers there uh, much the same thing that Jesus was doing for the disciples he was calling and, and that Jonah was doing for the Ninevites. He's saying, look, uh, he's trying to give them perspective, right? He's saying, look, the time is short. We don't know how long we have. And, and it could be, many people have, have understood that to mean like, okay, like Jesus is going to return any day. Uh, the Apostle Paul in some of his writings clearly thought uh, that Jesus might return during his lifetime. And so maybe that's what he's saying, that like Jesus is coming any minute now. And so there's no time to waste on anything else. And we know Paul is a fan of being single because if you're married, you got to care about, you know, getting home to your family. And, and Paul wanted to be out there on the field, you know, doing the work. Um, so maybe that's what he's talking about. Other folks have looked at the fact that there was uh, a famine that spread through the Roman world around this time. And it might just be that he's saying, look, we're in a crisis moment right now. And, uh, and it's kind of an all hands on deck kind of a time. And so you need to understand that you're going to maybe pause some things or postpone some things. You read the passage around this and leading up to this, he's talking about people who are engaged and like they're, they're wondering, should we get married? Should we not get married? What are we supposed to do right now given what we're going through? And it may be that he's continuing that same thought. He's saying, look, you need to focus on what's important right now. And, um, and some of that might mean putting some other things aside. It might mean shifting focus off of what's right in front of you and the needs that seem to be, you know, unavoidable and to focus on the bigger picture of what God is trying to do in your life and through you right now. So it may be that this is an exercise in, in perspective again. Um, which again is similar to what Jesus was doing for his disciples. Saying, yep, this is good work that you're doing, but right now I need you for the little bit to, to come and follow me. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to train you. Because you're going to do some amazing stuff in the world once I'm gone. And, you know, we, we think Jesus may have only had like three years with those disciples. It was public ministry before he dies and rises again and ascends into heaven, and, and then it's on them. Uh, it may be uh, 
you know, I'm thinking back to the Ninevites. I mean, um, oh, no, I'm sorry. I want to I shift first real quick to Psalm 62 because um, that's the fourth passage that we're given uh, today. And I'm not, we're not going to dive into it, but uh, I'd encourage you to read Psalm 62 later. All right? Psalm 62. There, there's a bit in the middle. Um, it's all about how I'm trusting in God and not in anything else. And in the middle, he says, Surely the lowborn are but a breath, and the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they're nothing. Together, they're only a breath. Don't trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And he's kind of saying a similar thing to part of what Paul says here. It's like, you know what? There are things that we have that we need to make sure we don't set our hearts on them. We need to make sure that as, as much as you love what you do for your job, that that's not the first, doesn't have first place in your life. Even as much as you love your spouse, I mean, as much as I love my wife, Stacy, who may or may not be watching right now, depends on what the boys are doing, um, she knows that she doesn't have first place in my life, that Jesus has first place in my life. My first, my primary allegiance is to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this, I know the same thing is true for her. You know, She knows that if, if I want to do something and I'm trying to get us to do something that she knows is like not what God wants us to do, that she's got to push back against that, right? Same way I would, because... Jesus is the one who is our Lord, not me, not her, right? So all these other things get put in a different perspective. When Jesus, our Lord and Savior, walks into our life and invites us to trust in him. As big as other things might seem, as right in front of us. We have this tendency to think that what's right in front of us is like the biggest thing ever. And uh, we see that happen on social media all the time, right? Like something sweeps across social media, it trends, and all of a sudden it's the most important thing, and everybody's got to have an opinion, everybody's got to comment, and no, you don't, okay? This is secret, all right? You don't have to comment on everything that comes across your social media feed. Um, it's okay to just like say, oh, okay, a lot of people care about that right now, but my focus is elsewhere. We, um, we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus, to kind of keep our heads on straight, to keep our focus in the right direction, to keep our allegiance given to him. And even though other things might loom large right in front of us, and it's something we got to do something with, you know, a situation might arise. Politics has been huge for for everybody. If you watch the news or anything else, you know, we've all cared greatly about national politics uh, for the last couple of months now, right, at least. But our trust isn't in the president or the Congress. Our hope ultimately isn't in who we get elected uh, or don't. Uh, Our hope ultimately is in God, right? Our hope isn't in finding that right person to spend the rest of our life with. Our hope is in God. Our hope isn't in, um, you know, getting that right job and getting that income we want and getting a big pile of money or whatever. Our hope is in God who made us, who loves us, is our refuge, is our rock, is our fortress, all those different words that the Psalms use to to refer to God, to remind us that he is with us, that he will never let us go. So today, um, I guess I just want to remind you again, as we think about our future, as we realize that the life we're living right now is perhaps not what we had imagined it, uh, perhaps we need to get a little perspective Perhaps we need to listen carefully for the voice of Jesus. Um, I mean, it might be that we need to just answer that first invitation, right? To to put our trust in him. 
We've been putting our trust in all sorts of other things, and maybe we just need to say, okay, Jesus, you've been approaching all of us and saying, uh, we got to trust you that, that the kingdom of God has come near. I want to repent. I want to believe this good news, that out of love for me, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to, uh, <laughs> to, to make things right, to take what's been upside down and turn it right side up again so my sins can be forgiven, so that I can, can quit following my own path or, or somebody else. I can, I can begin following you, and you can lead me on a path that leads to life. Maybe, maybe he's been giving us that warning like Jonah gave to the Ninevites, saying, look, the road you're on is headed to your destruction, and maybe today we need to answer that invitation. Maybe we need to, to say, oh, okay, I don't want to continue down that path. You're right, God. This is destroying, continue to live the way I am is destroying my relationships. It's destroying my life. It's, it's, it's a path that's leading to death. God, help me to get off of it. Lead me down a better path. The good news is, as Jonah discovered, as the Ninevites discovered, as everyone who said yes to Jesus discovered, then and down through the ages, that God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, quick to forgive. This is the God who sends his son, Jesus Christ, to us to invite us into this new kind of life. Maybe we just need to say, maybe that's the step you need to make today. Maybe we just need to say yes to that invitation. And maybe there is something more specific. Maybe there is something that God has been calling you to walk away from or something he's calling you to walk toward and you've been hesitant to do it. Maybe it has seemed so big, like, God, you can't be asking me to do that, can you? To walk away from, you know, my fishing business and to follow you? must have seemed like a, a huge ask for Jesus to, to make of those disciples. Is there something that has had first place in your life and you need to let Jesus bump that down a couple pegs so that he can be in first place and what he's calling you can be in first place? Maybe that's what you need to imagine today. Is that, it's just that God is more important than everything else on your agenda. That, that God is bigger than whatever it is that has been causing you to be stuck in fear or anxiety, that the God who made you and loves you is present, is with you, has that, that power that we prayed at the beginning of the service, of the message, at least. You know, maybe you need to be inviting God. Please, God, would you enlighten the eyes of my heart so that I can see this hope and the inheritance that you have for me and the power you have for us who believe. The same power you use to raise Jesus from the dead is a power that's at work in my life if I will trust in you. Maybe you just need to, to picture that. God, bigger than your problems. God, bigger than whatever has been number one on your priority list up till now. Maybe that will help you to say yes to his invitation. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for coming to us right where we are. We see it in Jesus. You, you approach us, whether we're at work, whether we're just going about our day, whether we're stuck uh, like, like the Ninevites were, stuck in their, in their commitment to their violence and their selfishness. God, you come to us right where we are. And you extend this beautiful invitation. Help us, God. Help us to say yes to you. I don't think there's any of us, God, who want to stay stuck in a life that leads to death. I don't think there are any of us that want to live a life that's less than what you have imagined for us. God, the thought that you might be calling us into a life of, of impact, a life that makes a difference in the lives of people around us, 
Help us, God, to see that that is so much more important than whatever other things we have been focusing on. Help us as we go about our day, the rest of today, the rest of this week, uh, the rest of this year. God, help us to, to see ourselves as people who have been called by you to reflect your love and your grace to the people around us. That you might want to work through us just like you worked through Simon, Andrew, James, and John, Jonah, Paul, just as you worked through them, God, to draw people to yourself, would you help us to see ourselves as, as on mission with you, that you lead us through life, that you present us with opportunities to extend words of kindness, words of grace, words of compassion, words of hope, words of love. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not leaving us just stuck in the lives we've been stuck in. Help us, God. Help us to say yes to you. Thank you, God, that this morning we have the opportunity to celebrate communion together. Um, in all the different places that we are, uh, God, we still have the chance uh, to take bread, to take juice, and to, to remember your love poured out in your son, Jesus Christ. We offer to you, God, these gifts of bread and juice, um, just like we offer you ourselves. And we pray that your spirit's presence with us here today, right now, that it might be transformative, God. That, that we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood. That we might be transformed into the body of Christ given for the world. Thank you, God. Thank you for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the spirit of Christ that you pour into our hearts. Thank you for your grace and for your love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to join us for communion today, if you, uh, if you uh, want to gather together bread and juice or the closest, proximity, the closest thing to those, um, you're invited to do that. We'll celebrate communion together. Amen. Amen. Well, on the night that uh, Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples and he took bread and gave thanks and said, this is my body given for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. After supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood, the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Lord Jesus, we do remember the love that you showed us, the fact that you would give your life to rescue us from lives of sin and death headed toward destruction Thank you, God. Thank you for sending Jesus to get us off that path, 
to draw us back to yourself, to get us to this place where we're willing to say, okay, God, I don't know all of what this is going to mean, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to acknowledge that you are God and I am not. You are King of kings. And my hope is in you, not in any other thing. As we do this, God, thank you. Thank you for being so generous with your grace and your love, forgiving our sins, embracing us as your children, filling us with the spirit of Christ so that we can reflect his love and his grace to the people you send us to this week. Help us, God. Help us to do just that, to live in this world as the body of Christ, living not for ourselves, but for you and for others. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. I want to leave you with this blessing before we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.